Well, uh, today, this week, right now, this episode, I thought, you know, uh, usually, I know I've been getting a lot of comments about non sequiturs and me speaking nonsense, but it's usually always followed with a compliment. So I think I'm going to try not to let that go to my head, but I think that's what the, uh, the people want. Now, first of all, there's some people replacing windowsills in the background, so it sounds a little odd, but it's just... Uh, <laughs> Just enjoy the, those those sounds. Maybe maybe it helps you uh, get to sleep or your baby or whatever. But what I wanted to mention: so last episode uh, we talked a lot about like serverless or something like that. Now, yep. subsequent to that, uh, I I, uh, I was on a plane, I think, and I read I read a report from uh, Jeffrey Hammond and uh, you know from Hammond and Reimer, and uh, it was a January 2018 report, Forrester behind the paywall. So. If you're uh, if you're poor, I guess you lose. Uh, but if you have a Forrester seat, you should go find this paper because it's very good. Uh, it addresses all of my sort of ranting about serverless. To to would one say to wit at this point, which is to say, uh, it's basically like here's a big diagram that shows you all the stuff you need for serverless, and serverless is basically just like some uh, a, an event-driven way of finally realizing that, and this is my rewording of it, we're finally realizing that old thing in the 90s. And I, by finally, I'm not being judgmental, but where we in object orientation, we have these entities, and they're going to be sending messages to each other. And then the other wrinkle is, uh, of course, it's event-driven. So there's, uh, there's some little thing figuring out when to fire these events off. And then, of course, as we were talking about, you know, you're going to need to, if you need it, you have to uh, have a service to attach storage to you and all of that. But how it really pulls it all together is to kind of uh, explain it in a non-hyperbolic way uh, and also uh, kind of list all the different frameworks and services. But then it also has this great diagram. Maybe I should excerpt it. That's sort of like uh, a roast beef sandwich is great. And here's what you need in addition to the roast beef achieve the sandwich that is awesome because otherwise actually now that i say it this sounds fine you're just eating a handful of roast beef um which would actually be some people like yeah Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) 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 so yeah i definitely need to get on uh reading that that one um it almost sounds like you're describing like you know enterprise service bus in the cloud Mm. (laughs) yes I, I think I think they do make an analogy or even a direct reference to uh, service oriented. I don't think they say architectures, but they're basically like, yeah, if you want to follow in the long tradition of a service oriented microservices, whatever, this is fucking awesome. And, uh, yeah. you know, and then, and then, of course, as any as any of the big analyst houses will responsibly do, um, which depending on the way you view the world is accurate or. Uh, a bunch of bullshit that's going to cut yourself off at the knees. They're like, I don't know, this is pretty early, so stay safe out there, enterprises. <laughs> They're like, no magic quadrant this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that would be a wave at Forrester, but still. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. No, but I, don't know, I, I, I thought one way to summarize that entire uh, article was like a serverless bad name, right? Because that's kind of the <laughs> name. That, yeah. 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 I mean, I've... To my, I guess my headline was like people get caught up in the name serverless when really, like, as you kind of went through, it's really a, you know, a pre, pre, uh, prescribed architecture to do kind of like, you know, a, a cloud native application that sort of, if you will, if you buy into that architecture, it's a lot simpler if, if you're oh, willing yeah. to live with those oh, constraints. Yeah. 
And that's sort of like, I think that was his main point. So he's like, but people just get caught up in, oh, you know, it's serverless and everyone makes the joke, well, there are servers. And it's, it sort of distracts everybody from like what they're actually doing, which I thought, frankly, you know, in this case, the analyst did a really good job of like kind of debunking like what that what that word is is uh, trying to say and what it really is. So from that respect, I thought it was a, a pretty informative report. Yeah, yeah, th- those those two are uh, really good analysts. They they don't uh, as as uh, as I heard Willie Nelson say once on KUT, they don't make bad guitars, so they uh, they make good stuff. <laughs> Good reference. So uh, also this week, uh, you know, we're recording in the morning, uh, so we'll have to see if there's some sort of uh, difference in, in the quality of, of our energy or lack thereof. I don't know. I don't know if I'm one of these people who builds up their energy towards the end of the day or uh, or it lessens. But that is because you are currently in Chicago, Matt, right now. I assume you're not just there for the deep dish pizza and the neon green relish. What what brought you to Chicago? Um, you know, I didn't get any pizza while I was here. Kind of disappointed. <laughs> um, well, there's always the airport. No, no relish either. You, you go, yeah. you, you know, there's that little food court between corridor K and H, I think. And they got that yeah. weird little Irish bar. And I think, I think if you don't want to get yourself a taco, sugar-coated Chinese food, Starbucks, McDonald's, I think there's a deep dish pizza thing there. At the Irish pub? No, nah, there's, <laughs> there's just a pizza place. Not at the Irish pub. There's just a pizza All place. All right. The Irish pub they have there is like the Irish pub version of that little noodle bar that Decker sits down at the beginning of Blade Runner. It's just like this <laughs> tiny thing, but there's not like an old Japanese man yelling incomprehensibly at you. And you just you just do numbers with your fingers about yeah. what you want. He's like, I want two. No, you get one. No, two. Two. <laughs> two. Two. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah. So I'm, I'm yes, I am in Chicago uh, looking out at the lovely Chicago River and uh Enjoying the view from from uh, the the high regency for ChefConf. It's, mm. uh, it's pretty pretty. Last uh, last day of the event, things are winding down. It's a hack day today. I'll probably uh, head down and hack around on something. But uh, yeah, it's been a been a been a good couple days. So first, the uh, most important thing: what yes. was the food situation like? Oh, um, so so the food situation minus the deep dish pizza. Um, relatively good uh i you know i made the mistake of well i flew from australia so that i guess that's a mistake <laughs> so um i slept through some meals and i think i went about 24 hours without eating because mm. i like slept through some meals and i woke up after midnight uh and went down to the hotel bar and you know the kitchen was closed and people were drinking and you know then i went back to sleep and slept through breakfast and lunch and wow uh yeah, but um, that that's my problem. Um, yeah, but I uh, had had some good meals. Went out to some nice restaurants. You have some customer dinners. That's always uh, the highlight of most most uh, food ex- excursions. Sure. You know, because you know you can't you can't give the customers the uh, the uh, Irish bar at the the airport for if they if they want two, you order five. That's that's the way that works out. <laughs> Matt, yeah. more importantly, what was there was there like some big entertainment event? Uh, oh yes. Uh, yes. What, what was it? Was it uh, music? Uh, yeah, what? yeah. So, so we, uh, uh, you know, chef ChefConf is, uh, you know, we 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 like our our after parties, and so uh, last night we had the House of Blues. Um, we went and rented the venue, and uh, you know, with uh, hosted by our co-hosted by our friends at Microsoft, and uh, you know, the the chef 
house band um you know a couple of employees uh they they played a couple songs they might have been better than last year <laughs> <laughs> might have been <laughs> well highly they, related to alcohol consumption i think is i, I just i just i just want to remind everyone we only have blameless postmortems about okay, the, uh, the yeah. employee music <laughs> no 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 acts, okay? they they, they, they <laughs> they were quite good. I, I expect uh, there'll be some some on, online uh, video popping up somewhere. Mm. Um, yeah, they did a couple songs. They were good. Uh, Nathan Harvey rocked the hell out of the triangle. Um, <laughs> it's hard to do, but he pulled it off. <laughs> That's the Maryland special, right? Right, Brandon? Yeah. The triangle? I, I think they well, called I think it we go further than I think it's the Annapolis. Bell. It's the Annapolis. As I remember, Nathan's from Annapolis, not uh, Baltimore. Yes. Oh, oh. We're going to well. continue to learn our geography. Annapolis, <laughs> of course, the state capital of Maryland and home yeah. of the United States Naval Academy. So it's it's a you know, reasonably sized city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what they play in Annapolis. Everyone plays a triangle. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It's the official musical instrument of Maryland, I believe. Of no, Annapolis. Right there on the flag. If I mean, yeah, yeah there is a flag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of course, it's a great flag. Maryland has, yeah. I'd say, not as good as Texas, but a good second, solid second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then uh, in the morning, actually, uh, yesterday, uh, there's a like a live music improv kind of thing called Choir, 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 hmm. uh, where they get. Um, it's like impromptu choir performances, and uh, we started the day off with that. Like eight thirty, got up, got people singing. It was uh, it was impressive. Um, I you know I'm sure we'll mm. we'll get some video of that at some point. Yeah, and people have been out you know kind of late the night before, got the energy moving. Uh, good day. Well, listen, I, listen, I, I come... want to compare that video to the uh, AWS reInvent uh, interludes where they were like threw it to like a house band who played like a, some kind of like cover song. So we could that'd be a great comparison between the two. No, no, <laughs> no laser light shows with uh, Blue Man Group knockoffs. Yeah, no, not this year. I think I think I want to throw out a suggestion for for uh, yeah. anyone who Fred O'Reilly who's listening. When there's like the fourth or fifth edition of Lean Enterprise. I think what you should do is take that history of the Prussian military out. You make that into one of those tiny little books, say like lean Prussian military history. And then instead you're going to put in a case study of how culture means uh, day long choir sessions and playing the triangle at Chef Con. <laughs> I think, I think that'll be a good to be like, we're always talking about culture in this community. Just like, just like put on your jammies and comfortable shoes and read the following 40 pages and you'll get an idea of, of what culture is. Well, yeah, I, I yeah um i mean you know it was it was there to loosen people up a bit but uh it was good it was good so so it looks like y'all had a big uh you had a you had you had some sort of what a suite level s-u-i-t-e uh announcements you got your chef automate like the full suite of suite of things some uh and then you had a blog post about uh i did i did you know inspecting terraform or something yeah but and and but what's uh what's what are the big takeaways matt ray let me put you on the spot yeah. to see if you've read the the positioning and, and messaging. <laughs> Let me open that tab real quick. <laughs> um, yeah, so there were there were uh, kind of three three or four major announcements. You know, the first, of course, Chef Automate 2.0, um, and they 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 rewrote, uh, rearchitected uh, Automate. Uh, Automate's uh, internals had been built on um, the the CI/CD components were kind of tied to a lot of what they were what what was going on um I'm, I'm sure everyone cares about you know deep under the covers but uh the major enhancements are are you know scalability uh we were we were having trouble topping 50,000 nodes and now we can do quite a bit more um 
there is uh, my, there, there are a couple of new UI features, uh, some new event reporting things. Uh, so we're going to be having filtering on, on some of the uh, different consoles. You know, if, if you're managing 50,000 nodes, you, you're going to want filters. Uh, and then they brought in some more compliance things. You know, every, you know we love the we love the compliance. And so they brought in uh, the the cloud compliance. You know, the ability to to look at uh, the the state of your AWS, uh, your Azure, and we announced uh, GCP uh, cloud compliance. And you know, and of course, everyone's enterprise favorite, full on LDAP integration. So uh, oh, there we go. God, now I'm excited. <laughs> now you're excited, excited. right? Right? Yeah, and uh, that, I'll tell you yeah. what, that is like a, that's like a machete through the jungle of the path to IPO. So just, you, you might want to <laughs> schedule some time with your financial planner. Oh, Cote. Oh, you've been in the books. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the path to enterprise sales, my friend. That's what it is. Yeah. It's like, no, I mean, it, it's, it. walk yeah, in. It's, hey, hey, all you startups that they're walking to an enterprise without LDAP integration. Let me know how that goes, guys. Yep. Let, me know how, let me know how everyone receives that. Oh, so we, we had ever, you know, we had Brandon's favorite off. But we didn't have uh, we we had uh, authorization, but we didn't uh-huh. or we had authentication, not authorization. Not authorization yes. Yeah, which is the harder one. So now we got that's the right. harder one. Now helps your auditing does. You know, Matt, right? That's oh what, yeah. Audit. That's what brings the auditors all gets them all yeah. excited. So yeah. So so you know it's it's full of uh, great enterprise stuff. Uh, <laughs> we I thought they were gonna be releasing it as beta, but they went straight to GA because we've had uh, some really large customers had it. Rock solid. You. Stand it up next to your existing automate. It'll you know slurp in all your stuff and upgrade you in place. And uh, it's delivered by Habitat, which is uh, interesting because now now we're we're kind of tying Habitat and Chef together more intimately. So that's um, that's now, that's now now did, now do y'all have like an updated uh, like sort of everything workflow slide that kind of goes over you know here's. Here, here's a here's a bearded developer who's a little hungover from last night, just finished singing his choir, and then he's gonna he's like gonna use, I think Habitat to package something up, and then that gets mm-hmm. deployed to the thing and managed by sort of components of Automate, and then we have Inspec that makes the very undrunk auditor happy. Like, is there a good like everything together slide? Uh, I'm sure we have one somewhere. I'll need to I'll need to find that one for you. But <laughs> I yeah, love those that's, slides. That's, that's kind of the plan, right? Is yeah. is automate is is the the console for seeing everything. Um, oh, then Habitat, you need UI, yeah, no, UI. Yeah, you know, Habitat is it's packaging, but it's also we, we announced the on prem uh, on premises uh, builder service. So so Habitat, you know, it's a packaging format, but it's also there's a builder service that you know, you hook it up to your your GitHub, and as things get committed. Checks them out, builds your packages, tests them, pushes them into Docker repos, and you know you can have you know stable, unstable channels or you know whatever you want to do, and then the Habitat supervisor can subscribe to those channels, and so you get this end-to-end. You know the the code goes in, gets built on the the builder, and the your services up, update and upgrade themselves. Mm, that makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah. So it, it ties it all together. And now that it's on-prem, we ha- had a lot of people saying, you know, oh, that Kubernetes cloud stuff, you know, that's not for me. And we're like, well, we can we can build your Windows packages on-prem. And they're like, you know, stop the presses, you know. <laughs> you know, so, I, I, was, yeah. I, was, uh, I was talking with some infrastructure people recently. And uh, 
it was occurring to me that like, man, those, 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 uh, those chef people, they must have an easy time talking to infrastructure people. They just like, <laughs> they, they just go in there and they're, they're like, Hey, you're an infrastructure person. Your job is to like get software from one point to another point and not fuck it up. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and like, so that's like the language you understand. And, and I'm, that's a demeaning way of putting it. That, that are the, those are the toys you like playing with and you're familiar yeah. with. And so it's basically just like a one-to-one mapping, hopefully one-to-less mapping, but whatever. So let me, let me, let me, as they say, push the stack here. I have, I have a few quick, mildly related questions, uh, maybe just one. So I've been reading up on Kubernetes recently and uh, I've seen a few talks about this thing called uh, Helm and like uh, to, to once again, uh, quote one of our favorite managers, Chris Merrick. I've I've listened to these talks three times and I'm not sure they're in English. Uh, And, and, (laughs) and like uh, they talk about like charts and then they're talking about packaging and deploying things and I, I think by charts, they don't actually mean charts. Like they mean no. something. This is kind of like in the Pivotal Cloud Foundry world when we say uh, plug-in or customized service, we say tile uh, for some thrilling reason. And so what the fuck is Helm? <laughs> Brandon, you want that one? I, d- I really don't actually. It's, uh, okay. uh, other than uh, you know, the, to your point, I just kind of say like a, a packaging framework is what I think yeah, it is. Yeah, but yeah, you, I, you can correct me, Matt. I don't have like all the details of like how it all works. I mean, Helm, Helm is is a, a uh, it's a client uh, and server package for getting applications installed onto Kubernetes. So it's right. it's, it's a packaging format for multi-node applications. Right, you're going to say. I have I've got my three tier web app and here's a Helm chart which is that the thing that describes it mm. and, and that you know so I this, see. this is what my application looks like you know we're going to have this container and that container and this one's going to talk to this database service and then you register Helm uh, I think they call it the tiller you register the tiller of course it's uh, with <laughs> <laughs> with with Kubernetes as a service and then you know when you want to install a new application, you say, you know, Helm, I, I don't know the CI, the yeah, command yeah, line yeah. for it, but it's like, you know, Helm install, you know, my three tier web app. And okay. Like, okay. So first oh, of I all, got yeah. first of all, so apologies, because I think I just rudely brought up a competitor right in the middle of your March of Triumph there. No, 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 no. So, so no? Habitat, no, Habitat uh, exports Helm charts. Okay. Okay. So Helm yeah. is basically like some YAML files. That yep. describe you nailed it. That, that describe. <laughs> let me see the. Let me see if I can You're use uh, Kubernetes. The answer to that question is always yes. It's always at the end some YAML files, no matter what we're doing. Yeah. Yes. Let me see if I use the right Kubernetes terminology. So it's some YAML files that describe which containers you want in nodes, and it's probably scoped to a pod, and then it also and it probably describes the uh, the replica sets that you want, like how much duplication that you have. And I'm no guessing it has some policy about internetworking between the things, that's, and and then yes. and then which insane guids to pull from the whatever uh, container registry you have set up uh, to to establish all of that. Yep. And they call Nailed that a it. chart. Yep. <laughs> but this does come for, yeah. come back to our yeah. like ongoing conversation around like it feels like 
this is just like part of Kubernetes, like like something. I always think of this stuff as like this is just like an internal thing to Kubernetes, but it gets talked a lot independently, like as if it's like its own thing. Like you'd say it has its yeah. own logo, and it's like I think this is like our ongoing conversation around like there's like what you think Kubernetes just does. And then there's like, and then I think what people want it to do, they kind of want it to just be this big package of everything mm. cloud native. But then you get into like, well, what's Istio? Oh, well, Istio, like, why is it a separate project, right? It's really, you know, it's like you kind of just assume if you're like new. I think this is what I always think. I know, uh, I know when we talked to Andrew, you know, your boss, Coach A, is always like, no, no, it's just these different things, and it's clear to clear to him. But it's always like, no, no, you just kind of think all this is one thing, right? And it's like, no, they all have their own logos, they all have kind of their own projects, but like. I think when you're just trying to use it, it's just kind of all one thing. They all really need each other. So mm-hmm. I think that's why it makes it confusing. And I think, it, you know, I'm all for logos and names, right? But it's like because they all like look like their own product, right? You kind of feel like they're, there's like some use to the standalone. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, someone maybe can correct me, but I don't think there's any use for Helm outside of Kubernetes. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's any use for Istio outside of Kubernetes. It's really just you know, one thing. And it'd be cool if we could just kind of like talk about it that way. Yeah, I I think, oh God, I'm going to dig myself a hole. I think Istio wants to be independent of Kubernetes. I I might be wrong on that. One Mm. of those. Oh, can you hear that in the background? That's that's them (laughs) drilling Istio out of Kubernetes. I mean, I guess I understand. Like, I don't even, I guess the intent, I don't understand. They're like, like why? Like because people want to do like mesh networking. Yeah, yeah. Outside. You might do microservices on EC2 with you know maybe you're mixing containers and VMs and you know. Yeah, I, I could I could see that you would want to do it for um, interoperability, right? Like if I yeah, want to talk yeah. between a Kubernetes thing in the same way that I want to talk to a native AWS thing or, or whatever, then sure. I feel like this path, though, always leads us back to, like, Corba and IOP, where we have these standards that, like, absolutely no one can use, and they're impossible, right? So it's like, I, I don't know, like, my advice is to just, like, just make the Kubernetes, you know, just get it all working there, right? And, 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 and I think <laughs> that I think, would be awesome. I think that concludes our first You Kids Get Out of My Yalan section for this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well. No, no yeah. I, I, I agree completely. And, in fact, uh, to, to maybe pop the stack back up a little bit, you know, if I was uh, an editor at some fancy book thing, I would start with you, Matt Ray, but I would say, like, someone needs to write an 80-page thing called, like, all these fucking packaging schemes, right? <laughs> and and I wish I had a publishing house where I could have titles like that. That would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, I got to call the new stack. They, the, they, they might go for that. Yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, but th- that would be a nice reference to have, that it seems like y'all Habitat minded people it'd be like oh well basically at the moment there are five packaging schemes and packaging might even be the wrong word but to the point yeah. of writing it let's just say packaging right and right, right. we'll start with a uh, with a walk down memory lane of rpms and whatever it is canonical right. does but then let's get into how like how you package stuff in the the sort of like 2008 to 2012 era of cloud, namely like Puppet Chef, Ansible, and Salt and all that. And uh, here's what that looks like. And then there's whatever the fuck Terraform is. And now we have, uh, we got this, we got this explosion of like, you got build packs and you got helm charts and all this other stuff. And and, and it would, it would just be nice to say like, hey, it's just packaging and we got a lot of them. So uh, that that sounds sounds like a a talk to sign up to give it like Oscon or something. Mm, you know? Hey, that's a good idea. 
Yeah, yeah. 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 You want to go to Portland? You can have my talk. I'm pretty sure I, one, am not qualified to give that talk. And two, I'm pretty sure (laughs) O'Reilly has me on some kind of blacklist. And they're like, this asshole can go fuck himself. It's it's probably because you keep suggesting books like, you know, (laughs) what the fuck is up with this? And then then you're like, and I get to pick which bird it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. The ostrich. Always the ostrich. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we 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 so 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 we we do try to we are kind of trying to clarify the story around how all these chef things work together and what you use where. Uh, I we I will need to find I'll need to find you a diagram at some point that's like this is when you use this chef tool, this is when you use this chef tool. But it's you know the Habitat chef story got got pretty slick. Uh, we have some we had some really amazing demos. Um, you know, I. I we can just throw everything in the show notes. The, all the all the talks and keynotes and stuff will be uh, on YouTube at some point. You know, so. so so now I was reading though. It sounds like Chef Automate 2.0. One thing that was in there was something. It's like one binary. So is it? Yeah. Can you can you download it and uh, conceivably run it pretty easily locally? Yes. Is that is that the net net of of one that's, binary? That's how Habitat works, right? So Habitat, uh, if you Throw down the hab binary on a box, and you say, "I want to install, you know, Habitat Service Load Automate." It'll go pull down Automate for you, start start it up, and you know now you have Automate running, okay. and you can subscribe to a stable channel. And then when a new Automate comes down the pipe, it'll check it out, install it next to the existing one, run the, all the tests, and then switch over. Uh, and so this is. This is the pattern that we demoed on stage with Chef. So we actually, you, instead of having you know Chef, you you bootstrap a box, you SSH into it, and then you know curl bash down a, a, an installer script that you know pulls an RPM and throws it on to you know the the machine, and now you have Chef, and then it runs. Instead, Habitat says, "I'm going to install the Chef service," pulls down Chef, and now and installs it into uh, a Habitat package. And so Chef can then run, you know, its normal cookbooks and recipes to manage your machine. So you can then say Chef is going to tune the operating system and, you know, make sure all your patches are up to date. And then, you know, so Habitat can use Chef to manage below the application and then, you know, install the applications running above it. And so that's kind of the pattern. And, uh, yeah, we'll, all right, so the net net is all of us listening to this can go do this on our our, our favorite workstation and be yeah. successful. That's yeah. all I really want. There's something yeah. for me to do because I like to. Uh, and then the other thing that I saw on here, which Chef is a self serving <laughs> self serving question, is like I guess this was rewritten in Go and everything's being written written in Go. So my question is, I just finally made my way through Swift. I feel like I'm like at least can write some. Swift. You just do I need yourself, to learn Brandon. Go. Should have learned Go. I have to say that's what I should do. I actually need to learn Go. Is this one because I skipped the whole Ruby thing? I was like, I kind, I didn't really, no, 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 I didn't, no. I didn't really get into that. I didn't minimal Python, but like, I like, what's up with Go? What like is this important to me? Should I, should I, do I need to invest in it? Um, so so Go is a very good language for writing command line tools, and exactly. you know. Uh, we, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I just fell asleep there really quickly. What, what were we talking I tried about? Trying to keep it short. I feel like the ghost of, of Kelsey Hightower is just, yeah, he's gonna come. He's gonna get in here and be very upset with you, Matt. Is that uh, it? Is that really the? Is that really it? I mean, it, it, it's a systems language that's really good for uh, for CLIs, and so we we have a new 
project called Chef uh, Workstation, and some of it is Ruby, some of it is Go. Um, you know the, the the HashiCorp tools. Most of those are in Go these days. You know a lot of you know your your Terraform is in Go, and uh, automate pieces of it are in Go um, because they're they're mostly like small microservices that talk to each other. You know, so the the new architecture is much more um, microservices. You know, so it's much more segmented with contracts between them. So you can you know upgrade pieces of them as they go, and so. Go is good for writing small services that you know have a you know that are just going to talk over you know gRPC or something like that to between each other. So, do you need to learn Go? Um, it's really popular among the system administration crew because it doesn't have any dependencies. You get one binary. That's that's kind of awesome. Habitat, okay. the Habitat. Too bad binary. they didn't like that whole Microsoft coding model because man, they could have achieved that much earlier. <laughs> yeah and, and habitat is written in rust and so uh -huh. you know then it's like well why rust why not go and it's like well rust is really good at you know low level systems things and you know it's a whole can of worms but you know different languages are good at different things all right yeah i got you i'm so losing I you know. i know i'm yeah. losing no, you no 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 i actually had what you you had me on command line i'm skipping that. Here, here's 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 what i'm hearing i'm gonna go with my swift and my java and I'm, that's it that's well, I'm, right. I'm, let me let me give you let me give you uh the 11th man advice here brandon and then and all then right. we should talk about who uh who's bringing this wonderful episode to our our listeners but what i'm hearing is so you got swift and I think I think if you're doing your uh, your your Vanguard like uh, uh, Spartan 2060 investment or whatever, I think you got a good mix if you got Swift and Go in there. Sure, you've got Java. You know, those are like the, your treasury bills. You're fine, but you want to you want a little <laughs> get a little bit of Go in there. And then if you write an application, you can do your front end in Swift, as I understand it, and your back end stuff too. And then you're going to be using a, a serverless framework on the back, and I'm pretty sure that's just Go stuff, right? So whatever you're doing, you write your your server side stuff. They used to call it a back end. Uh, you yeah. write your your back end stuff in in the Go, and then your front end in the Swift. And I don't think mm -hmm. there's anything in the middle except a whole bunch of networking pain and packaging bullshit. <laughs> and then there you go. Uh, and then by 2060, you can uh, retire. It's something else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, well, that's, I guess that's, that's your the... Vanguard 2060, and then your uh, you know your what is it? You know, I, I need to go for bust is investing in Node.js. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I, well, that's the part I guess I was trying to understand. I mean, I should ask me more directly. It's like, it's just the world I'm in. It's like, yeah, like, okay. So I obviously people writing a lot of iOS apps and Swift get that Android, right? It's Java thing. Got that. Kotlin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then there's, and I guess it's just like, what is, and then I, you know, I still see, I feel like I still like see a lot of the Java backend stuff. So I guess my question, that was really what I was wondering is like, is, like, what's the de facto new backend language? Like, if you're like, yeah, Java's bad because it's too bloated, blah blah blah. Is and I was like, is it Go? Is it Rust? It's, or is it's it kind of? It's kind of Go. It, it, Rust is Rust is probably not Rust is going to replace like your your lower level tools. You know, you're gonna. You, I mean, there are people trying to like rewrite kernels in Rust. So mm. think C plus plus. You know, that's uh, the market. Okay, so you know? Rust is like the C C plus plus kind of. Yeah, and Go, Go is, is more like, you know, Ruby was good for CLIs, but hard to manage all the dependencies. And now you get, you know, I, it, 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 it fits in that space between like C command line tools and, 
you know, and but it's also good for microservices because gotcha. you know, gotcha. just bundles it all up into one little binary. Plus, right. as, so as, as we have like learned, should... as we have learned in right. recent years, it's from Google. So that's right. That's EOM good. on that shit. That's right. All right. So it sounds like I should invest in like learning enough because again, my goal is always like never to be proficient in anything, just to be able to have the conversation. That's all I'm ever yeah. looking for. So I can yeah. I can sound like I know what it, the kids are talking about. Well, speaking of exciting conferences, everyone's favorite, Datadog. They have yeah. they have something special for us this episode. You you want to tell them what it is, Brandon? I absolutely do. So of course, our friends at Datadog are going to bring are sponsoring this episode, as we appreciate as always. They are a monitoring platform for cloud scale infrastructure and applications. And of course, you can sign up for a free trial by going to www.datadog.com/sdt. We'll give you a T-shirt. But this week. They want you to know about their upcoming user conference. So just like Matt Ray's at ChefCon, they're going to have DashCon, which is going to be in New York City on July 11th and 12th. And you can register at www-con.io slash SDT and use the code dash SDT. Again, that's dash SDT, all one word, all uppercase, and you can save 20%. Now, I was looking at their conference. They've got a bunch of interesting keynotes. The one that, if uh, if I'm there, I'm definitely going to attend is uh, Travis Dunn is the CTO of DraftKings, and uh, DraftKings is uh, probably most well known for like doing like online fantasy football, letting you bet on fantasy uh, football and fantasy sports. But here in the United States, our uh, Supreme Court has given us some wisdom. It looks like gambling <laughs> is going to be uh, legal. Anywhere a state wants to be, which is new to us, probably not new to the rest of the world. So I bet you, Travis, is very busy uh, building out um, the new infrastructure to support what I am. I have no doubt will be many, many other types of gambling options. So I think that would be a fun uh, session to go. And really, they're going to focus on uh, three tracks, um, performance, scalability, and teams. So I think there's going to be something for everybody there. If uh, Yeah, get some dashboards. Yeah, you that, get some that dashboards. money coming in. Oh, I see what you did there. Dashboards <laughs> at Dashcom. I like it. I like That's it. good. So anyway, uh, fi- final time. Go go check them out. Go to uh, again one more time. The URL is uh, www.dashcon.io/sdt. Your discount code is dash sdt. And if you forgot all that, don't worry. It's in the show notes. Register. It'll be a great time. New York's always fun. And um, enjoy the keynotes. So we make them. That's right. You get twenty percent off there. That's a that's a fifth of of why do they call it a fifth <laughs> of liquor? You ever wonder that? Anyhow. Fifth of a liter? Because yeah. 20% off liquor would sound weird, right? It would be kind of weird. I went to 20% liquor. It's like, what? what yeah. I wonder if that's like a fifth of a, of a tiny barrel or something. Well, uh, just, just to wrap it up. So you did write a, uh, you did write a blog post about, uh, about uh, I think, if, if I understand, you got these dot files in Terraform and you want to extract or, or deal with it in inspect to make sure it's uh, compliant. But what's, uh, what's, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Iggy Pop framework? What, what did you guys work on over there, Matt Ray? Uh, this is really just something I kind of tossed into the uh, the the ChefConf. Um, I I was with a customer uh, last month, and uh, one of our uh, one of the core Inspect guys had written a blog post about how Terraform and Inspect can can work together. Terraform provisioning framework from HashiCorp, uh, written in Go, of course, and uh, it reads in. TF files and and stands up your infrastructure. You know, it goes and creates your VPC and your networks and says uh, these machines are going to do some stuff, and then other tools take over from there, um, like Chef or or you know whatever. And uh, 
what the customer's like, that sounds cool. Uh, what kind of compliance stuff can you get with that? I was like, well, I guess I could read in those files and, and automatically generate some stuff. And they're like, you think you could do that? I was like, I could do that. So I did it. <laughs> and then I showed up, uh, showed it to some chef people and they're like, that's cool. We should, uh, we should make that a, a proper first class mm. plugin. And so the, it used to be like, I have a tendency to write obscure command line tools and, and name them funny <laughs> no things. No way. No yeah, way. Can't yeah. believe that. News. Breaking news. Yeah. So I it had been a standalone application called uh, Iggy for Inspect Generate, and oh, and then of course all throughout the you know comments and messages were all sorts of Iggy Pop and Iggy and the Stooges kinds of things. It's been sanitized for your health. Um, it's now just a, a straightforward Inspect plugin that uh, reads your Terraform, automatically generates. Uh, so far, I've only tested with AWS, but I think the, the hack day downstairs, I'll go do some Azure, some, some GCP, uh, any other clouds that Terraform does, and we'll see what, uh, what automatically gets you uh, some, some compliance checks. Mm. And that's cool. Well, just for the deep cut references, I hope there's some module or something called Candy. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> and much better than the idiot, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, that's, that's exciting. So, so Terraform yeah. basically just like installs your VMs on machines. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 and, and creates the VPC that they all run in mm, and right, right, right. everything that all the infrastructure that you're going to need, except for like what's actually on the machines. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's, that's so, you know, Terraform and Chef play pretty well together. And now, you know, you can do inspect against the big architect, you know, the big infrastructure and then, you know, keep going down the stack and, and, and check the, the state of the machines and the applications running on them too. And, and HashiCorp has like, don't they have like something like almost half a billion dollars in funding? Are they in the quarter? They got a shit ton of money, right? <laughs> I don't know how much they have. Uh, if only I'm we not... could look that up somehow. But... Yeah, if only. No, but yeah, I mean, they've got the Vault and, and Terraform and Vagrant. It's always cool. Let's, let's yeah. look this up. Let's look this up. HashiCorp. <laughs> Well, speaking of billions and billions, um, I, we we kind of missed another event. Um, there was the uh, the OpenStack Summit. Oh, wait, well, hold <laughs> on! Breaking right. news: According to Crunchbase, their total funding is only seventy four point two million dollars. Oh, that's like a fun. fifth of a fifth of a fifth of a billion. Or <laughs> I mean, look, look, right. listen. Here's my unsolicited advice. I, I'd like to say I've been around for a while. Someone offers to buy you, fucking take the money. <laughs> right. Like don't don't dick around with dreams about like riding whales into being the mark, next Mark Zuckerberg. Take the cash. Got to take it. All right. Now we can get on to OpenStack. <laughs> speaking speaking of taking the money, let's get on to OpenStack. So yeah. it seems like uh, it seems here. Let me give you my brief summary. And I, I, I'm not meaning to be snarky at all because OpenStack's fine. It seems like. They're still big on the NFV, which is helping uh, telcos and carriers rebuild out their network in a more uh, probably cheap and more performant uh, virtualized way of running their their networks, which, you know, uh, if, if that made you fall asleep, then that's fine. But uh, we rely on all of that. You know, you go talk to your Verizons and AT&Ts and uh, they're, they're into this shit. They love it. And of course, it has to be super cheap because they have so much of it and their margins are thin. And they also have the uh, galling requirement that it can't break, uh, which I don't know how long y'all listeners have been in software, but man, that's a real pain in the ass to have to deal with that. Uh, so 
I think naturally OpenStack has 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 become a good fit for that. And then there's a there's a few uh, releases like I mean even VMware stuff. Uh, they they kind of directly are positioning and around messaging around NVF, but they have some general updates. And there's some contributions from AT and T and other people. I mean, again, in a very nice way, just a, a steady uh, state of of doing stuff in the community. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, from the astronaut and the Russians, you got a bunch of craziness, uh, which is enjoyable. You know, you yeah. got. Uh, it seems like uh, essentially OpenStack, the OpenStack Foundation, is is um, uh, desirous to use a vague, uh, passive, uh, phased, uh, what, what the passive voice? It's not passive aggressive. Anyways, they are desirous to become more of a general foundation. I guess, I guess if you were a close watcher of foundations nowadays, you're like, uh, the, uh, the Linux foundation is, is figuring their shit out nowadays. They're more of a broad general foundation, uh, mm-hmm. just focused on one thing. So they still want to do that. And then, and then our friends over at Morantis are like, we should do CI/CD. That would be fun. And then uh, Shuttleworth is basically like, "Why are you getting fucked over by VMware? You should uh, and, and Red Hat. You should come <laughs> and use, Red Hat. Right. You should come use our jingle stick instead." Uh, yep. and, and that was nice. That's delightful. So, seems like a pretty. Uh, let me. I'm going to say year over year. This this sounds like it was a more interesting OpenStack conference than last year, just because it's got some uh, some craziness and possible direction change to it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably some some tension between you know the Linux Foundation and cloud native computing and OpenStack over you know who's gonna try to take which projects. I guess um, I don't know. It, you know, obviously OpenStack's got their thing carved out, but you're right they're they're looking to move outside their uh, core competency or not not to say they would do an incompetent job, but <laughs> but just you know the their their original focus. Um, yeah, yeah, so, and, and and I think I think there is a there is a detailed history of open source foundations like successfully and unsuccessfully going through this move, and uh, yeah, it's it seems normal. Like you know, at one point the Eclipse Foundation was like maybe we shouldn't just do GUIs, and uh, and then Apache uh, was didn't want to just be about a web server, and then they had a very Apache had a very successful move into like XML and Java and stuff. And then the aforementioned Linux Foundation, which uh, you know is more than just uh, kernels now. <laughs> and and yeah, it would definitely that would be interesting to have uh, you know for, back back to our uh, our uh, snarky tastic discussion of packaging. Like, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff out there that uh, needs needs more foundationing wrapped around it. Well, and 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 OpenStack was kind of the the first foundation that had a evangelicalness to it. Right, Apache was, you know, mm. the the custodians of your projects. You know, we'll we'll keep them well governed and you know give them the infrastructure they need to be healthy, but we're not going to go out and you know throw huge conferences and you know try to sign up customers for you, um, and you know and and spread the word and and you know Apache's not evangelical where and and I don't think Eclipse really is either. Yeah, uh, but they, they but used to be, but not really anymore. Yeah, uh, I mean, but OpenStack is is more, uh, you know, making a lot of news and you know, uh, contacting the press and you know, getting the stories out and and obviously CNCF and, and Linux Foundation are doing that as well. Yeah, yeah. seeing all the movies, drinking all the smoothies, <laughs> they're, they're holding in there. Well, uh, before before we wrap up, we have a we have a, not really brought to you by, but I just want to remind you next 
it's not June yet, right? So almost next month. In my mind, it's next month. But it's actually July 12th and 13th if you want to uh, go up to DevOps Days Minneapolis, uh, conveniently located in Minneapolis. Uh, you can use a discount code to register for that as well. Also, you get a, a fifth of whiskey off of it, 20%. If you register for DevOps Days Minneapolis and use the code SDT2018, I'll let the listeners decide what that discount code stands for, you know, where it fits into the calendar. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I've actually, I'm going to miss it this year and I missed it last year. But the other years I've been, it's, it's a wonderful show. Lots of care and feeding. Oh, I guess they, are caring to feed you, but lots of attention is put into it to make it a, uh, a very good show. And it's one of the better ones you'll go to. Plus you're in Minneapolis, which is a, a fine place to hang out, uh, especially in summer where it's not uh, as hot as it might be other places. So you should go check that out. July 12th and 13th DevOps days, Minneapolis, and go look at the show notes at software defined talk, uh, com slash one thirty six with the discount code of SDT 2018. So then we got a, a couple of little items, uh, I wanted to just throw out there. We'll put those in the show notes, which if you were listening, you would have just heard the URL for, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and one of them was, uh, uh, I guess this is what it's like in the morning, pretty much like it is in the evening. Um, but I, I published one of my, I didn't publish, one of my register articles was published. Uh, it's, it's originally I had titled it something like how to deal with grumps. And of, of all venues, my editor was like, well, if you say grumps, you might insult the register readers too much. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, hold on. <laughs> I mean, of course, I was like, whatever, that sounds grumps. great. But I'm like, I, I forgot, who am I writing for again? Yeah, but, <laughs> you're like, can I call them trollkins? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, but uh, it's, 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 this is a question I get quite a bit, and I, I sort of pulled together the three, uh, three responses, or, or, or three, I shouldn't say responses, three things other people have told me they do when they're dealing with uh, um, individuals in your organization who don't want to digitally transform or do DevOps or change or whatever. Uh, so you should check that out. And uh, just, you know, if, if you've been getting a lot of uh, GDPR or GRP, I don't even remember what it is. Uh, I'm on the wrong side of the Atlantic. But you've probably get, been getting a lot of emails that are like, we've updated our uh, terms of service. That's because uh, the, the Europeans are nicely trying to protect your privacy. But if you're interested in what that is, I would remind you, if you go to uh, softwaredefinedinterviews.com and a few episodes back, we talk with a, a genuine, I guess, oddly enough, British person who's talking about EU things, but with uh, John Collins, who goes over what that is. And I think that, you know, the net of it is as an individual, it's probably great uh, that we have that. So then finally, uh, there's a couple of other uh, links you should check out. There's, there's some good interviews with the CEO of Red Hat that I think um, uh, it's good to read through to kind of get a sense of like what's in Red, Red Hat's head at the moment. And, and I, they're pretty, he's more than straightforward. He's basically like the container market it me. They're just sort of like trying to take uh, full possession of that. And then there's, if you can stand on the, uh, the CRN things to click through their, uh, you know, 500 page interviews where they have one character on each page. Oh, God. Uh, there, there's a, there's some good quotes from the uh, Docker CEO, which just is more reaffirming that they're basically on their, uh, their cost takeout thing. It looks like if you are a large enterprise and I'm sorry, I'm going to poke fun here for a little bit. So, Get, get your get your hats on. But if, if you're a large enterprise like MetLife or Northern Trust, basically Docker is going to save you $50 million. I'm not sure if that's, uh, what do they call that? Uh, 
total contract, your TCV or your TCV. ACV. Yeah. But somehow you're going to get $50 million, which I did the, I did, I got a spreadsheet and did uh, some math here. Uh, that means you're going to get $12.5 million extra cash in a quarter, which I think is going to let you coast through uh, probably a, a large percentage point, maybe single digit percentage point of a uh, share price uh, uptick. So there you go. Docker saves you $50 million in, uh, in maybe annual IT revenue. Done. Done. You should just install the hell out of that shit. Um, all right. Now save, I'll stop. Save your money for more fifths. Now I'll stop being sarcastic for a few seconds. Uh, and there's some other interesting stuff like GCPs in the, the leader quadrant of uh, cloud infrastructure as a service, along with AWS and Microsoft. So I guess that is the culmination of there are now uh, three people who lead cloud, uh, according to four All right. quadrants. So uh, also, as a reminder, uh, let's see. I'm going to several conferences now. Next week, uh, I'll be in uh, Seoul, uh, Korea, which I've, I've picked a great time to go to Korea. <laughs> so uh, if I don't come back, tell my family I love them and uh, that my skin is probably falling off my face in, in a very nice limb meridian. So at least I'll be well taken care of. Uh, and then I'll be at a Singapore meetup on the 31st. And then finally on Friday, and it's good that I know what Helm is now, I'll be speaking at Vox Days uh, Singapore uh, about Kubernetes. And then later, later in June, I'll be at DevOps Days Amsterdam, uh, just standing at the booth, idling. Come over there and get a software-defined talk sticker and hear about why you should give Pivotal a lot of money. And, uh, and then also uh, September 24th and 27th. I know that seems like a far way off, but you can, uh, you can come uh, to Nathan's neck of the woods to Spring One platform. And uh, you can eat crabs, hear about how people are successfully uh, changing the way they do IT. And I'm sure we'll have talks about all the great technologies. But if you want to register for that, you can use the code S1P. 200 underscore Cote and get $200 off your registration. Go to show notes to check that out. Also, there's a bunch of Spring One tours coming to cities everywhere. And I think that's like really cheap. And I bet if you emailed me, I could probably get you a free ticket to go to it. But those are those are good things to check out. Go check out the show notes. Then also, uh, you can always buy t-shirts from us. You should join us in our Slack. Lots of conversation there. Again, see the show notes. And then this week, Brandon, do we have any feedback from people who like getting stickers? No, we didn't. I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I didn't get any good emails. Uh, but I think that's Memorial Day. Yeah, I think it's uh, everyone's taking the sticker. Yeah. Really, uh, but we always have stickers, so you can just email stickers. I gave, I, at, I gave quite a few out at ChefConf. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah, that's how you get it this week. Go well, yeah. find Matt if somehow you can hear this before you leave Chicago. Find Matt; he's always got stickers. But yeah, if you want, if uh, you're not at ChefCon or you miss Matt at ChefCon, just email stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Include your name and address. Do need the address. Got to tell people. I always email back. Like, got to have the address, um, and we'll be happy to send you one. Yeah. And that's worldwide, as far as we have not reached a country where I've not been able to send yet. So feel free. So send what, me your address. What, what do you have to recommend this week, Brandon? I'm gonna keep it real simple. Uh, I, uh, my wife and I were had a had a weekend without our son, and uh, I really wanted to see Deadpool too. And Deadpool too, like Deadpool. Uh, the first Deadpool was fantastic. So I don't know you either love Deadpool at this point or it's probably not your thing, but I have mostly fallen off. I know this is bad to say all the others, you know, superhero. I know there was the Avengers, whatever. And there's all the controversy. I don't know. I just haven't seen black back black Panther or some of the other new ones. Uh, kind of gotten tired of those, but Deadpool, I always have time in my life for Deadpool. He's uh, mm. very snarky, very uh, sarcastic, very dark, 
and uh, just what I just what you need on your Memorial Day weekend. It's very very funny. So check it out. There you go. Solid so it sounds like you need more. Uh... Sounds like you need more cross-specific flights because I I caught up on all my Marvel superhero movies <laughs> on the flight over. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and, I'm, uh, and five I'm hours of another series. Yeah. yeah, I I think I think a few episodes back we we discussed the uh, Avengers series, but yeah, yeah that, that's all a, about that's, the airplanes. That's that's a uh, that's that's a pro tip life hack. You can catch up on your Marvel universe things on on a plane, yeah. or Harry Potter if you haven't seen those. They, they always have that, and also, what's the one that's like the uh, the young Kingsman people or whatever? That Star one's Wars. always in there. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's 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 like it's like James Bond for the uh, was that any good? Nickelodeon set. I don't know. I'm not gonna really? watch that bullshit. That looks like, that looks <laughs> terrible. Well, that's why I asked. <laughs> I just I just see snippets of it over you know over the uh, not over the shoulder, but you know you can see other people's screens, and oh my god. That looks like that show looks like a piece of work that I probably would have loved when I was like in my teens. But man, so right. so bad. Uh, how about you, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend? Well, um, you know, my I I had the uh, fourteen and a half hour flight from Sydney to LAX, and uh, I had I got uh, the the upgrade, and so I had the nice big screen. I caught up on my uh, my Marvel watching. Um, I watched. I'd already seen Black Panther. But uh, I saw Ant Man and and Doctor Strange. Mm. And is is Ant Man worth watching? I spent about she, ten minutes figuring out if I should watch that on the way back from London. Uh yeah. I mean, so so they're the Marvel ones that I generally like are the the funnier ones. Mm. And it's uh, one of the writers is Edgar Wright, who did uh, Shaun of the mm. Dead and um, you know, a bunch of other good stuff. And he did the Thor, the the last Thor one, which is also pretty funny. Um. So, yeah, I, I I generally enjoyed, you know, I don't know if I would have seen them in the theater. Oh, I didn't see them in the theaters, but, uh, you know, if you got 14 hours to kill. All right. Um, All right. And then they're bringing the drinks. Uh, yeah, that was good. And then I still had another eight hours to kill. Uh, so I started watching um, AMC's uh, miniseries, The Terror, which is based off of uh, Dan Simmons' uh, historical fiction horror novel. Oh. And it's uh, it's 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 really good if you're into uh, uh, just you know ten hour ten episodes of well they're all gonna die. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought I was hoping it was the uh, the complete backstory of the the super villain from the Tick, the Terror. Nope. No, 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 and no. That, I think he's my favorite current super villain. That that they really just nail that character. Is that on the the new Amazon? Tip? Yeah. Have you not seen that yet, Matt Ray? I haven't. I oh haven't. my god! That is that is that is like right right in the center of of Matt Ray right there. Okay, because I stuff. I I did like the I liked the Fox series mm. and I liked the uh, the cartoon version oh, yeah. of it. I don't know. Yeah. Mad, Mad Bomber. It, well, here's what yeah. you do: you're going to go down to your hackathon and sit yep. in a corner so no one can see your screen. And yeah. and I want you to download the two seasons of, of the Tick from Amazon for your flight back. Can and, you do uh, that? You can just yeah, you can download them now. You download it on your iPad, your iPhone, your whatever. And uh, you're you know. saying things I don't have. Yeah, and then when people come over to be like, oh oh, I'm 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 hackathoning, I'm hacking, I'm hacking on this super fast <laughs> network, hack hack hack. And, and then uh, and then you can watch those with your drinks on the way back. Uh, I still have like five more hours of the terror. So, mm. okay. <laughs> but I love the book. The book was amazing, and so far the the miniseries is holding up pretty pretty awesome. All right. Well, uh, this week 
I've, I've got a, I've got a little, uh, a little trio of recommendations. First of all, uh, you know, I've been trying to catch up on Kubernetes stuff. So, uh, well, if, if, if you work at Pivotal, you just don't listen for about 30 seconds. Uh, but I, I was, I started re-listening to uh, a lot of the, uh, pod CTL podcasts that, uh, the folks over at Red Hat put out. And that's a really good podcast. Like, uh, one of the, one of the ones, episode 35, where they go over recent news and, uh, it was delightful because they do some, uh, very polite bashing of Pivotal, which is always fun to see what happens, uh, over there. Uh, but yeah, they do a great job of, um. More or less in 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 the style uh, that that we kind of do here of covering the news and linking it together and talking about things and then of course mostly what they do is just uh, interviews with people so you should check that out the uh, the, the pod CTL podcast uh, good good host there so then second uh, I went to Madame Mams the other day a little Thai restaurant we have here a little too fancy for my taste but that's fine. And they had this thing called the Yum Green Bean Dish. You should check that out when you get there. And here's, I didn't even know this was going to happen, but we had a, a good uh, veteran, venerable, uh, so to speak, waitress. And she saw that I was putting some, some of the, uh, the, the chili sauce on something. And she was like, oh, you, you, you want some, some spicy sauce? And so she brought me over this little thing of just kind of like, it's, it's not that kind of oily chili paste you would get at a Chinese restaurant. It was drier, it was, but it was this mm. finely ground chili paste. Oh boy, that was good. That was that was the right level of spiciness to add on to your uh, your green bean dish with uh, chicken on top. And then finally, also in my quest to figure out what Helm is, so to speak, I uh, I rewatched our friend uh, Tasty Meets Paul's uh, talk from DevOps Days uh, Charlotte, where he goes over uh, Kubernetes for DevOps stuff, and it's a good talk. So, but that's what I wanted to recommend is I didn't even realize this was happening till the second viewing. But he gets up there and he just like starts talking. He's just like right in the middle of the presentation. And then about like eight minutes in, he's like, oh, by the way, here's my cover slide and here's what I do. And I think that uh, that kind of cold open style, I think I, I really like that. That was a good way of, of doing a talk. Just sort of, I don't know, maybe like certain podcasts that you might be listening to right now. Uh, and uh, I enjoyed that. So with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk, a podcast where I swallow a lot. Uh, and, uh, that, that didn't come out right. Uh, and <laughs> if, if you want to get the show notes for this episode, you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 136. Or if you just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you probably know how to find this episode. And as mentioned earlier, you can find out how to get shirts with 20% discount, how to get stickers from us. You can join the Slack where we, uh, talk about all sorts of things. There was some fun conversation about, uh, I don't know, what was it? Roko's Basilisk. And how uh, booth babes are gross, other things like that, in addition to uh, commentary about stuff we've talked about and didn't talk about this week. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.